This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Did you know that according to the World Health Organization, 15% of the global population is currently living with a disability? Now don't worry, I already did the math for you, and 15% of the global population shakes out to about 1 billion people. I think we can all agree that's not an insignificant number, but the majority of people living with disabilities still don't feel seen, and that includes those in the creator economy. It's something Keely Catwell set out to fix with C-Talent. C-Talent is a talent management and consultancy agency working with deaf and disabled entertainers. As someone living with a disability, Keeley wanted to make navigating the creator economy in Hollywood more equitable and inclusive. And her mission has been amplified recently with a major influencer marketing company acquiring C-Talent. So you already know, we're going to hear from Keeley in this episode, but I also wanted to chat with some of the talent she represents. Cole and Charisma are a couple who started posting on YouTube four years ago about their everyday lives, which includes, but isn't limited to, talking about being in an interabled relationship. In this episode, we cover how C-Talent is elevating deaf and disabled creators, where brands are falling short, and how creators like Cole and Charisma are thinking about the dreaded inspiration porn. This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey. Each week, I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. Hey, everyone. Very excited to talk to you all. So, uh, yeah, I would love to start with you, Keely, since, you know, you're really the reason that we're all here. So how did C-Talent come about? Like, take me through a little bit of your background and leading up to this amazing talent agency that you founded. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I love this question. I'm always like, where do I start? The long <laughs> version, the short version, the mid version? I how want... much time you got? Sorry, <laughs> how much time? Um, so I became disabled when I was 17. Um, I was at the time training to be a dancer. I thought I wanted to be a performer. And my life took a big turn um, when I was at college in London. Uh, I'm British originally, now in LA. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I suddenly just started to feel unwell while I was at college. And kind of, long story short, I got caught up in the medical system and the kind of injustices that still live in the medical system and was undiagnosed and misdiagnosed for about three years. Um, and it was only when I became incredibly unwell uh, I was hospitalized for a long time and finally they did the right tests and got, I had some operations and some life-changing surgery and I got given a permanent ileostomy and then also diagnosed with PTSD because uh, I'd been so been through such medical trauma and basically came out of hospital so confused and so conflicted with the world and just noticed that the world was now no longer built with me in mind. So I tried to get a job. Um, and actually, while I was in hospital, I started representing some of my friends who were still in dance college, just helping them like get jobs. And they were just, you know, trying to pay their way through school. So I was just placing them in some random opportunities I would find for them and kind of inadvertently becoming a talent agent. So when I came out of hospital, I tried to get a job as a talent agent in London. 
and I got a internship and then and that went it was going really well but I wanted to work remote because I was I had to be hooked up to an IV and I had all of this health stuff still going on but that wasn't a thing this was obviously pre-covid working remote was like what no way so um just kind of started my own company just started representing talent and then I came out to Los Angeles just for a week and just fell in love loved it ended up moving out here again trying to get a job and then lost a job and i used to say i lost that job because of my disability but now i say i lost that job because of ableism mm. which is the discrimination against disabled people and that's really why i started see talent a talent agency that represents high profile deaf and disabled people and you know i always say disabled people we usually don't have access to option a or option b so that's why we created option c which is see talent mm. And I was going to ask, I mean, what were you seeing as some of the shortcomings in, in entertainment when it comes to people with disabilities? Because I still think a lot of people don't have a full concept of it, of like just how ableist it can be. So what were some of those shortcomings? There's so many. I mean, if you just look at the films and TV that are out there right now, like usually if you look at anything, it's you know, the disabled people are either usually villains, victims, or inspirations. It's usually one of those three stereotypes, you know, villains because we're apparently scary because our, you know, our disabilities have been used as horror props or victims because, you know, oh, poor disabled people, they must be so sad and upset because they're disabled or, you know, because of their poor life that they have to lead, you know, or inspirations because, wow, they're so incredible. They've overcome their disability, where in fact, we don't overcome our disabilities, we overcome ableism. Or there's this thing called inspiration porn, which creates so many issues, which says that we're basically inspirational. We're here for non-disabled people and we're an inspiration to them because we can go to the grocery store just and we're inspirational because of our disabilities. So these stereotypes are so damaging to society and there's a lot of things that we have to fix within there. And and again, I think this comes from all of the content within the media, within film and TV, not being created by disabled people. There's so much physical accessibility issues in the first place. So a breakdown in talent pipelines and and big issues that we have to fix. And that's why I'm so excited with the creator economy and what's possible with social media because there's now less gatekeepers, less barriers to entry. Absolutely. And you know, speaking of the creator economy, we have two creators that you're working with <laughs> at Sea Talent, Charisma and Cole. I mean, so you two have just been posting couples goals for like four years now <laughs> on YouTube. And so I'd love to ask, I mean, like what what made you want to bring your relationship to social media as content creators? So, Sorry with charisma. Yeah, it was kind of my idea. And you're right. We just hit, I think, four years, like two weeks ago. So wow. it's oh, wow. wild how time has flown by. But it was initially my idea. We were dating for about four months, I think, four or five months when I came up with the idea because a lot of friends and family were asking me about our relationship and what are some of the obstacles we face as an interable couple. You know, what did we like to do for fun out and about? Because a lot of people realized there were a lot of accessibility issues, especially in Richmond, because Richmond is very, Richmond, Virginia, uh, is very historic. And there are a lot of areas that aren't quite as accessible for people in wheelchairs. So people were just curious, you know, about how we lived our lives. And I just figured 
you know, starting a YouTube channel was mm. the easiest way to show our lives and, you know, some of the inaccessibility uh, that we face out and about. And when she came to me with the idea of the YouTube channel, at first I was surprised because she's talking about how she's getting all these questions, but nobody's asking me these questions. They're asking <laughs> my girlfriend, mm -hmm. which was curious to me. Um, but at this time in our relationship, I was doing everything in my power to keep her with me. So I said, yeah, YouTube channel sounds great. Let's do it. Because I would have said yes to anything. Um, but I'm so glad that I did. And I'm so glad she brought the idea to me um, and that we, we started executing these different videos and ideas and sharing it with the world because we learned very quickly that a lot of people need to see this. A lot of people were surprised that we could do some of the things we were doing, which were, I mean, pretty basic things. Just because I'm in a wheelchair, it's like there was this assumption that yeah. so many things were off limits to me. And now that that isn't to say that there aren't things off limits to us. And we have definitely had an idea for a vlog and gone out and tried to do something and were unable to just because of uh, obstacles in society. But a lot of the times we are able to do those things as well. And then we, we share the good and the bad with the world. And people love to see it and learn from it. And, yeah. and uh, it's been a great thing. Four years. Wow. I know. Time flies. That's amazing. <laughs> and to the point, because I know, Keely, you mentioned something that I know people talk about all the time, this concept of inspiration porn. And I know that, you know, Charisma, you just mentioned that you wanted to show people a glimpse into what it's like being in an interable relationship. And so did you have any concerns about falling into that trap of doing inspiration porn? And like, I'd love to hear a little bit more of the conversations you had before you started your channel. Yeah. So before we started our channel, like we put rules down um, where we made sure we didn't speak about certain topics and whatnot. We wanted to really focus on our lives and our relationship and just kind of just show a typical life. So we just wanted to be a basic like couples vlog, but talking about the disability aspect, even talking about the fact that we're interracial. But I think that's really tricky talking about like inspirational porn and like being an inspiration because like just showing our lives, I think people draw the inspiration, can do that but we try our best not to be inspirational porn. Like it's just such a hard balance, I think sometimes, especially at the beginning, because our most popular video was Cole walking in the exoskeleton, giving me a standing hug. And a lot of people love that because it's like, oh my gosh, he got out of his wheelchair. You know, he can stand again. He can give her a standing hug. And like the goal really of that exoskeleton is for, you know, workout purposes because it's good for Cole's bone health to stretch his body and all these different things. But people only saw the fact that we're giving each other a standing hug and that he's walking again and only like really enjoyed that content for that purpose and not the like educational purpose. And it's good for my mental health as well. You know, yeah. I, I just enjoy doing that. And so it's something that we wanted to share. And then all of a sudden in the comment section, it was all, Oh, you're going to walk again one day. This yeah. is so inspirational. Oh, I'm yeah. sure Charisma loved that so much. And she did, but I mean, she loves our sitting hugs too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. It's, it's very hard. We have never intended to create inspiration porn. And I hope that that isn't how it comes across because that's not our, our goal. Our goal is to just share our lives and hopefully educate some people as well. Yeah. And, and just spread positive vibes. That's really what it is for us. I mean, we say it every single video. 
stay positive. Yeah. But I think our main focus is to like educate. And I think there's a certain way that you can go about it. And just opening our lives, we just want to help others uh, change their perspective, but also people who are newly injured. Um, just showing how we can do things and, you know, different things are possible. You just may have to make a couple of changes in your life to achieve a certain goal. Hmm. Right. And how did you even link up with, with Keely and Sea Talent? Like, I, I would imagine that you started you started your channel four years ago, and I would imagine you were kind of doing things on your own, as most, as most creators do. And then eventually you linked up with Sea Talent. I know you moved from Virginia to L.A. So I guess, like, how did, how did, that, how did that come about, you working with Sea Talent? Well, I am curious to hear how Keely found us. Because <laughs> we got an email from Keely. Um, about two years in, or three years into our yes. YouTube channel. And it came at the perfect time because that was one of our biggest struggles as content creators was finding management that would do a good job for us. Our, our first man management situation was awful and we had to break, like have attorneys step in and get out of that contract. Mm -hmm. Our second manager, similar sort of situation where it, like, Things weren't being done how we wanted them to be done. Business wasn't being handled the way we wanted to. And so C-Talent reached out. And uh, and it's funny because we were like, man, you know, it'd be great if there was a talent agency that only had disabled talent on their roster. No, and we literally were like, we need to make this talent agency. It doesn't wow. exist. And literally like two weeks later, we got this email. We were like, what? It does exist. Yeah. So, so Keely, the bat signal threw up. Okay, so <laughs> that's yeah. a right there. Right? So we were thrilled to receive the email, and we very quickly got into discussions. And this was when we still had our second manager, and Charisma and I were like, you know what? I think we should just go all the way. Like Charisma immediately got great vibes. Oh, yeah. um, she's she's really intuitive that way. I'm more trusting. So, <laughs> um, but we followed Charisma's gut, and so glad we did. But I do want to hear Keely's yes. side of the story too. Please, Keely, tell us. <laughs> I love that so much. How'd you land on Cole and Charisma? <laughs> I just remember working with one of our managers, uh, Elizabeth, who is just amazing, and just going through various different content creators. And we get a ton of submissions, and it's kind of rare that you find someone you're like, oh my gosh, so excited about this person, and immediately think, we could place them in this and this and do this and create these pitches. I just remember when we first watched Colin Christmas videos, we were like, oh my gosh, they are so exciting. There's so much potential. And they'd already built up a huge following and they'd already done so much work and they had such quality content. It's just a very exciting potential partnership. So um, yeah, I just remember being really excited about you guys and being like, oh, I want to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> it's been the best relationship, partnership, yeah. Since day one. I mean, it's been like a year. And and, and it's been a pleasure being part of C-Talent's journey because even yeah. from when we joined to now, so much has happened and so much growth has happened and evolution. And uh, it is pretty awesome watching Keely do her thing. No, you no. are our fearless leader. She's a rock star. We're going to take a quick break. And when we're back, we're going to hear more about what's next for C-Talent, Cole, and Charisma. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com.
I'd love to hear a little bit about the work in once you spot talent that has potential, what's your pitch to brands to say like, hey, here's this you know amazing couple that I have that would be great for XYZ? The foundation of our work is outreach. We want to educate companies, work with brands, work with production companies and help them understand why they have to include disabled people, not just in their disability specific campaigns or their disability specific work, but in every single thing that they produce and then they create. And we also strongly believe that it's not on our creators, it's not on our talent to have to educate the companies that they work with on accessibility and disability. That should fall on their management, that should fall on their representatives. The oppressed shouldn't educate the oppressor. And these brands and these companies, they're not purposely doing it. I don't think they go out there and they're like, we're going to purposely reinforce these negative stereotypes and stigmas. But they unfortunately do. And so much of the content and the briefs and the things that we were seeing were were really frustrating. So that's for us the main thing when we work with talent is to figure out what our talent's goals are and to say, you know, think outside the box, think big. Oftentimes disabled talent will come to us and they'll have kind of small goals. They won't be huge because they're so used to, unfortunately, living in a society where things aren't achievable just because of the barriers that we face and the attitudinal barriers that exist. So we really want to work with our talent to achieve big huge damn things and like get them huge work and get disabled talent paid and create superstars who just so happen to be disabled. Hmm. And so what does thinking big mean for you two, Cole and Charisma? Like when you have some backing like that from Keely and this company of really pushing creators to think big, I mean, like what does that mean for you and what you want to do as entertainers, as creators? Yeah, certainly. Uh, one thing that Charisma and I talk about a lot is the lifespan of our YouTube channel. It, YouTube is a very draining platform and uh, career-wise. <laughs> yes, it is. Constantly coming up with new ideas, constantly having to execute them, go out, film, edit. It's a lot. And it's constant. I did three episodes on this podcast about burnout. So, I yeah. <laughs> I yeah. yeah, well, we're in the fire. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we both recognize that this probably isn't like a lifelong thing. And so we need to start setting the stage for act two. You know, what's act two going to be? Yeah. And that was a, a big factor in, in jumping on board to see talent is knowing that they have all the Hollywood connections um, and all the acting connections. And I think that that could be, you know, an act two for me. We, we built an audience. We spent a lot of time in front of the camera. So we've grown accustomed to that. And Keely connected me with the acting coach. Now I've, I've been training and the next, next step is just start landing some gigs. And I think that that could be the big next uh, dream and act for us, and uh, yeah. and I don't think it, we could accomplish it without C talent. Yeah, yeah, we need some representation in Hollywood. That's such a big needed thing right now. There's not enough. Absolutely. And Keila, I was, was going to ask you, I mean, what conversations are you having with not only because you don't only you don't only work with creators, you work with writers and actors, and it's like, you know, this full suite uh, agency. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about those conversations that you're having in terms of educating people on like, who creators look like what like who entertainers are, because I think everyone comes at it with I think things are getting better. I'd like to think things are getting better. But I still feel like a lot of these companies have such a narrow scope 
they don't even necessarily consider, you know, that it doesn't have to be, even when they do reach out to, you know, hey, we need we need a talent with a specific disability. It doesn't have to be that way. You you can you can easily have a, like a spot of somebody eating a Snickers, like, you know, quadriplegics love Snickers. Like why it doesn't have to be like a whole thing. <laughs> so yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like the, that work that you're doing in in helping to educate these studios and educating these these brands about you know, really like the, the state of play as it, as it is for disabled entertainers. Definitely. And it's a lot of promoting and advocating for, you know, that's, let's normalize disabled people being experts in subjects beyond just disability. Mm-hmm. And accessibility is key. People often say, you know, diversity is the seat at the table. But we're always like, what if we don't have access to the door to get to that table? So can we please make sure that accessibility is a focus? I mean, I can't even begin to tell you when we first started representing disabled actors, many of our actors would go to an audition or go on set and they'd be like, well, you know, it went well, but I had to get changed in a storage room because the trailer wasn't accessible for me, or I had to audition in a car park because the venue they said was accessible, but it wasn't actually accessible. And it's not just about accessibility, of course, it goes so far beyond that, but that is one of the initial first crucial steps that companies have to understand that is it has to be in place and it's a big barrier to entry. And I think the other thing is making sure that we celebrate disability pride and our culture and our identity. I don't think we've seen many stories or if any stories I can think of off the top of my head in Hollywood that really tap into disability culture and the joy that is within our community. I think people often think about disability in one way and also the diversity of disability. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes disability is just shown as this one thing or you know this one identity but with 3D people with different identities and with intersectional people. So we've got to both tell, celebrate, listen to the stories that are disability focused, but again, normalize disabled people being experts in subjects beyond disability right. and have that diverse range of those different stories and hire disabled people behind the camera. And you know, I was gonna ask I me, mean, this is a question really for everyone, Working with brands specifically, there's been understandable pushback sometimes when it feels as if the brand is pandering, <laughs> when it feels like the brand is just having some box to check off. And so what thoughts or conversations do you have when you think like, okay, we have this opportunity. Is it something that we really want to align ourselves with? <laughs> yes, Cole. <laughs> I just raised my hand. Uh, well, Carissa and I have actually had an experience with a brand Um, that really did not feel right to us. The brand wanted us to promote a product and um, we were excited about it, you know, because it was a really cool brand and they sent the product to us and it was just very cheap, very cheaply designed. It didn't work well with my chair, even though the whole point is that they're providing these products for people in wheelchairs. And so we're like, this isn't going to work. And then they tried to send us a different one and it was also cheap and not working with my chair. And we decided to just pull out of that deal because to us, it felt like virtue signaling. It felt like the brand just wanted to use us as the token wheelchair person to check off that box saying, oh, we're, we're providing this for wheelchair people, um, even though the product wasn't worth 
buying. It, it wasn't, re- I mean, it didn't work for me, you know? Mm. Um, so we had to pull out. Yeah, they didn't go above and beyond with their design. They just, like, you know, met all the appropriate requirements, but didn't go further. And, like, even in their picture, showing the product in a wheelchair, the wheelchair was literally a hospital wheelchair. Like, it wasn't even a custom wheelchair. And we're just like, you guys, like, didn't even, like, do the marketing right. And so, yeah, there are moments where... Because they didn't have a consultant. Like, they, that could have been an opportunity for C-Talent to step in, like, hey, yeah. like you lost this one, but let me tell you how you messed up. Exactly. And we actually, like, gave them a lot of feedback, and they ended up paying us a nice. consulting fee. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Because we gave them so much feedback. And so hopefully this year, they'll take um, our advice into consideration and make some changes. But... We're definitely very adamant about working with brands that truly want to include the disabled community and make a difference and just be more inclusive, be more accommodating, be more accessible. Not just signal your virtue. Yeah. Actually show it with your actions. Yeah. Right. I think that's such a common problem. Like we often see brands who release something and then they start to hire creators and then they come up with so many problems and then they're like oh the disabled community so many issues so many problems never going to get it right don't want to work with them again but they don't work with the right people in the first place they don't hire the disabled consultants they don't hire they don't work with the right people they don't put the things in place and unfortunately then they see disability and accessibility as a problem to be solved rather than the opportunity that it is and it is such a vast opportunity they just need to work with the right people and have that authenticity and the integrity behind what they're doing because I mean so many of them do have good intentions and I think another example of that is the I'm gonna get the name wrong but it's that Nike shoe is it the fly oh yes that one yep 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 I remember that they created this product that could have been incredible for the disabled community and I mean the product itself the the adaptability of it was great but They didn't market it with and for disabled people. They didn't make it accessible price range-wise for the disabled community. And it it was a missed opportunity. I definitely want to talk about the fact that C-Talent was recently acquired by the influencer marketing agency, Whalar, which, first of all, congratulations. That's huge. (laughs) And secondly, I mean, what does this acquisition look like from your end? Like, what what does this really mean for C-Talent? Thank you. It is so exciting and I mean personally for me as a disabled entrepreneur and someone who also just never thought they were going to go through this line of work or anything it's it's a very exciting position to be in and I think as I say as a disabled entrepreneur constantly being up against that incorrect and negative stereotype that disability means charity something this big in this acquisition I think really shows the business case which really, we shouldn't have to keep proving this business case of disability. We really shouldn't. But here it is. I'm talking about it. (laughs) Here (laughs) we are. (laughs) Um, But I think Whaler is such a unique company that is really building the future of what it means to be a creator and work within that creator economy. And and with Web3 and all the opportunities that exist within that and being at the forefront of that is so exciting. But it's also the commitments that Whaler made as a company, their commitment to making changes internally and being accessible and really 
having that integrity behind disability and accessibility and the investment that's being made. I've not seen an investment like this for the disabled community and for, as I say, you know, the business behind really pushing forward disability and accessibility within the industry like Whaler are doing. It's it's incredibly exciting and the future is is very bright. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, I mean, how do you see this sort of turbocharging what you like what you're doing? Like what does this really look like? There is so much that we are still unpacking. I mean, it's hard to Fair play. enough. Yeah, it just <laughs> happened. It's still recent, I know. So I'm sure there's a lot you can't talk about. But yeah, I mean, I, let me ask you this. What what do you hope that this acquisition will mean for C-Talent? I, I mean, we already see it. The, the conversations that are already happening, but not just the conversations, the action that is already happening. You know, Whaler is one of the three companies that has access to... TikTok's API and is partnered with the social platforms. So the change, the actual systemic change that C-Talent is going to be able to make is huge. And we've already seen C-Talent now becoming a line item on the budgets of access is now becoming a normal thing to be a part of all of the campaigns. It's a normal thing now to include 15% uh, disability representation or more in everything that Whaler is doing. So it's it's setting a new standard for the industry. I love that. And, you know, when you take a step back and look at where we are now in the creator economy, what place, and this is really a question for everyone, I mean, like, what place do you see C-Talent having in the future of the creator economy? Our stories have been so excluded from mainstream media. The social media platforms have given us an opportunity to show what society really wants to see on screen. So I see not just the creator economy and social media platforms being a place where people can really make a living, do really well, create their empires, but a jumping off point to that bigger change, to changing the way we listen to and tell stories on a much, much bigger scale that can create that systemic economic and system you know social change that we desperately want to see in the world so i'm i'm excited about being able to make those those changes that you see then reflected in in the mainstream media hmm. and Cole and charisma as creators you know working with c talent what do you see an agency like this representing in the broader creator economy ooh i would say what i'm most excited for is Opportunities. Um, I feel like Whaler brings a lot of weight and a lot of connections, and C Talent had a lot of that themselves. But you know, joined with Whaler, there's even more opportunity, and um, that's all we need. You know, our community is pretty awesome, and I feel like that's what's been lacking is just opportunity. You know, open the door for us, and we'll bust through it, and we'll do a darn good job, and we'll do good for your company. You know, so I just I'm just so excited to see more opportunities, not just for us, but for the whole disabled community. And hopefully that just spreads that more people out there who are thinking about being a creator, but, you know, think like, oh, my disability is limiting me. No, I want them to get out there, too, and join us. You know, let's get as much representation as possible, because that's what we need. Representation. We need opportunity. And that's what I'm excited for. I love that. Well, I think that's all I had for you all. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's just, it's, I'm so, I'm so glad that an agency like C Talent exists because, you know, Cole, as you mentioned, it's just about giving people an opportunity. 
And it's just like it's just that just giving the people that opportunity alone, then you can let your talent shine through. All you just need is that opportunity. So just cheers to you, Keely, for making this happen. And I cannot wait to see what you all do next. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. This was a pleasure. That's going to do it for this episode of Creative Control. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And as I always say at the end of all of these episodes, make sure you rate and comment as well because we love hearing from you. Fast Company podcasts are produced by Avery Miles, Blake Odom, and Matt Toder. Editing and sound design is by Nicholas Torres. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen. Deputy editor David Litsky provided editorial oversight for this episode, as well as senior VP of entertainment Scott Mevis. Scott Mevis.